What is going on, 49ers faithful? It is your boy Perry back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Today, no Zach, Zach's off at work, so I am joined by Dylan Frazier. Dylan, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, it is good to be back indeed. I know Dylan was on with me when we did the Matthew Paris interview to preview the Washington football team game. And obviously that game was a mess, man. They lost to the Washington football team. I think it was 23 to 15. You know, what was kind of funny is that Niners Twitter is savage, Dylan. They're absolutely savage. And they will shred they, they will shred any fans or ever, any analyst or player. It doesn't matter who it is. Niners, you know, Niners social media in general is pretty, pretty mean. But one thing I will say talking about the social media groups that a lot of people were kind of they were breaking down the offensive line for the 49ers and saying how oh the line was playing terrible and this and that and Washington defensive line was too good well just kind of siphoning or like ciphering through all the clips i was watching on social media and then i watched a game film myself a lot of the times nick mullins the backup quarterback for the 49ers had a clean pocket more often than not and he just wasn't hitting his throws dylan i know the offensive line has been really bad all throughout the season but seeing how they performed against washington and i mean chase young jonathan allen deron Payne, all kinds of first round talents at the end of the game, they did their job and got the job done against Mullins. But throughout the game, it felt like that Mullins had time and the running game for the 49ers kind of got to develop a little bit. Does it feel like that the 49ers offensive line is actually kind of taking a step in the right direction? Or does it kind of just feel like a lost cause at this point? Uh, I don't know. That's tough, man. I mean, I, I'm struggling with the with watching the, a, a struggling Mike McGlinchey week after week. Um, I, I don't know quite what happened. I, I don't, it just seems like ever since Joe Staley wasn't on the other side, he just hasn't been the same. And you know, uh, other than that, we've, we've had a little bit of a rotating carousel on the inside. Lake and Tomlinson's been strong and in, in there for a while. He's, he's not having too bad of a season. Trent Williams is Trent Williams. You, you get what you expect from him. Um, and we've dealt with injuries on that, that right guard and center spot. So, you know, uh, I, I give a little bit of a, a, a pass there. I don't think it's a lost cause. I think the only real thing is we need to bring in some people and figure out what's going on with Mike McGlinchey. But you're exactly right. Not all of the struggles on, uh, against that D-line were the offensive line's fault. Uh, Nick Mullins just seemed to not not quite – know what he needed to be doing whenever he needed to be doing it. I saw many times Kyle Shanahan throws hands up in the air. So <laughs> Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is really good at doing that like, like five or ten times per game per season, man. It's been really bad. <laughs> it's, man, you know, someone did a comparison of last season's pictures of Shanahan just at the podium or whatever it was, and he's all happy and smiling and the season's going great, you know, no facial hair, nothing gray. And then you look at him this season, and it's like full beard, gray hair all the way around. Like not not full on gray, but you see like the just for men gray hair follicles, and it's like, man, you know, Kyle Shanahan's been just put through the ringer all season long, and it's been tough for him to say the least. But kind of going off the offensive line a little bit, Dylan. What's kind of crazy that Mike McGlinchey has been so inconsistent, but the one time. The one game against Washington, he actually played really well and didn't give up a single pressure up until the very end, even though PFF didn't credit him for the pressure when he just got blown by Chase Young and Chase Young basically got Nick Mullins pressured and that was the game. But if you look at the offensive stats, according to PFF, the line played really well. They didn't give up any sacks whatsoever. And this was where the big argument was coming from, where it's like Nick Mullins himself 
got credited with three sacks, meaning that he basically ran into the sacks on his own. And then the fourth one was Kyle Juszczyk, who just got annihilated by Chase Young. You know, broken record there. Chase Young is insane. So overall, a lot of people have been on the fence about whether the offensive line has actually been okay versus when it's just the quarterback not being aware in the pocket. And we even saw that kind of take place when Jimmy Garoppolo played this year, man. It's like when they played the Rams, for example, in that first half, Jimmy Garoppolo just, I mean, you know, he's just looked like a, a deer in headlights in the pocket. He's just panicking. And that's kind of just, that's kind of what happens when Jimmy Garoppolo is pressured. You know, he gets happy feet. He doesn't really know what to do. And just when the play breaks down, especially after the ACL injury, man, Jimmy Garoppolo has just been, he, he just hasn't been the same. And I know that 2019 year was fantastic, but you can just credit Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the offensive playmakers for just really opening the door for Garoppolo. But in in any event, talking about quarterbacks, man, going into the season, going up against Dallas, man, it's going to be one hell of a matchup. And a lot of people have been talking about losing. They've been talking about the tankathon, man. The tankathon has been everyone's favorite subject. The Niners currently sit at five and eight. They've lost two in a row. They are currently slated to pick 12th overall. Dylan what what's going on with this 12th 12th overall pick man do you feel like that it so let me get this straight right now I will never promote a team to lose like open-handed like I will never go on social media and say that the Niners should go and lose I don't believe in that I just believe that the team should compete they should at least play hard and go out there and just play with some pride even if you do lose you know what I mean but this 12th overall pick man with the rumor swirling that the Niners are looking at quarterback how, how are you feeling about this, man? Where, where What's going on with this 12th pick? Yeah, man. I mean, it makes it tough, even tougher on a week that you're going against Dallas. Everybody knows that's just an old, old rivalry. And no 49ers fan is ever going to say, like, ah, I want to lose to Dallas. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to lose to Dallas, but I also don't want our record to reflect a win. <laughs> that, 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 that's what I'll uh, – I think we would be better off for the future if we were in a better position to draft a quarterback. But at the same time, I can't I can't sit here and say, like, oh, I, I want to lose to Dallas this week. So <laughs> it, it's kind of just like how I felt in, in the second Rams game. I knew that, like, we didn't need to win that game for draft position. Our season was already, you know, it it it, we, it was kind of clear we weren't competing for a Super Bowl this year. But it felt so good winning that game. Yeah. So you're like, ah, I'll I'll let it slide because I love this feeling. Yeah, you know, I think the previous game was against the Patriots, and it's like when the 49ers just went up there and railed the Patriots entirely. It's like, what? Whoa, whoa! Like they're doing this. Like that's the thing is like everyone to crap on Cam Newton all they want. And I mean, a lot of people in our chat too really don't like Cam Newton for the most part. But when you go into a matchup against the Patriots, it's like Bill Belichick, that defense, and Kyle Shanahan just totally embarrassed them to say the least. And then you follow that with the Rams game where the 49ers just seemingly have the blueprint to beat the Rams. It's like, okay, now you've won two in a row. And again, I'm with you. It's like we didn't really need to win that game, you know, but at the same time, it felt really good to beat them. That's how it feels with this game right now where it's like it's kind of comparable to a couple years ago when um it wasn't the bosa draft i think it was the mike mcclinchy draft when the niners just kind of won out and they won for the last five with jimmy garoppolo and then we ended up getting mike mcclinchy where it's like you know we kind of won a meaningless game against denver where that draft positioning could have got us quinn nelson and you look at quinn nelson who's just an (laughs) i mean he's he is 
playing like he's going to be a Hall of Famer already. And even if the Colts already have a good offensive line, Quentin Nelson would have, you know, I, it's, it's weirdly ironic of all things, of course, that the Niners' interior offensive line, especially right guard, is looking really bad right now. And then obviously, of course, Mike McGlinchey isn't playing too well himself either. He's very inconsistent. And it's like, well, I mean, if the Niners just would have kept Trent Brown, for example, and tagged him or did whatever and then lost a couple games and got Quinn Nelson, maybe it would have been a different story entirely, to say the least. And that, that that's what I want to elaborate on too, Dylan. It's how you say it best. It's like, this is it, going up against Dallas. It's like you don't want to lose to them just because of the historical rivalry. But at the same time, it's like draft positioning two years ago was the difference between Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. And you wouldn't tell me that if the Niners were in that position, they would have taken Mike McGlinchey. No way. No way in hell. You know, Kyle Shanahan wanted Quentin Nelson really bad, but I don't think they could have traded it up because they knew the Colts were going to get him anyways. But you look at how important draft position is. And now you look at the quarterback position where it's like, okay. Beathard and Mullins aren't the answer. Let's stop there. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like, well, we're paying him $27, $25 million to go out and be the guy. And he's basically missed, he's basically missed, you know, two full seasons or so throughout his career as a quarterback. And it's like, he's only played in what, three games this year. And he missed 2018 with the ACL. And then he finally had his one good season where his one good season honestly feels like an anomaly in the sense, because it's like, well, of course he had the fantastic defense to play with and he had the wizard offensive genius in Kyle Shanahan and the great playmakers. So the situation was all set up, but the reality of it is that when you have Jimmy Garoppolo who can't hit a deep ball 20 yards downfield, if it's not schemed open for him, you can't really succeed. And that's what happened in the Super Bowl was that the Kansas City Chiefs knew that, hey, they're not throwing it downfield. Let's stack the box. Let's make the wide receivers win their one-on-one matchups and see if Jimmy Garoppolo will throw that ball. And he didn't. So, Dylan, this opens the floor to the big, big, big future, all-around all changing question at 12th overall one, this will be a two-part because I want you to go in on this. One, if they finish around that 10 to 12 area range, it it feels like they could get a quarterback at that spot, maybe a Trey Lance. But if they do like a Zach Wilson or, say, a Justin Fields or, God forbid, Trevor Lawrence, that's obviously trade-up territory. So one and two. From 12th overall, do you think around that 10 range they'll settle? Or if they really believe in a quarterback, do you think we'll see them trade up? Well, judging off of just what what I know about um, the way Kyle Shanahan feels about his offensive players, he has never been afraid to tell John Lynch, this is the guy I want. I think we should trade up and get him. Now, the couple times he, he's done it, uh, it, it didn't necessarily work out. Um, he, he, told, he told John Lynch, I want C.J. Beathard, and they made the C.J. Beathard pick. Um, he told John Lynch he wanted what was that running back's Joe name? Williams. Yeah, Joe Williams, and they made it work, and they they got Joe Williams. So while that, that that little example doesn't quite shine the brightest light, what I use it to say is if there's a guy that they want in a position as important as quarterback, and they are they think that there's any chance that it will it, that that player will get taken before them. Minus a a blockbuster trade to get to number one overall, I think that they would they would make it happen. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you have a lot of people 
This is the thing I saw on Twitter, and I, I'm sure you saw it too, or some people did. I, I know I'm not that popular, so I don't want to toot my own horn. But someone tweeted out, they were like, the Niners can still get their guy in the third round. And it's like Joe Montana, um, Russell Wilson. It's like, uh, okay, okay, two quarterbacks. So I, I was curious, Dylan. I was like, man, how do, how do third-round quarterbacks fare? Joe Montana, Dan Fouts, and Fran Tarkenton are the only ones in the Hall of Fame. Russell Wilson's on his way. He was the third-round pick himself, so that would be the fourth. Out of decades and decades and decades of NFL drafts, of everything going on since the league even started, only four Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the third round. It's one thing. It's one thing if you're going after like a running back, Dylan, or like a wide, like almost any position in the third round outside of quarterback or special teams. It's like, okay, you can work with that guy. You know what I mean? Like if it's a wide receiver, or if it's like a tight end, or whoever may be a skill position player too. It's like, okay, you can fit them in and give them time to develop. Like look at Terry McLaurin, man, and look at DK Metcalf. You have late round picks who are just busting their balls out on the field, and they are all stars. I mean, or Pro Bowl players and future All Pros. And you have those guys where it's like, okay, you can work them and develop them. Same on defense, too. You can make any third-round pick work. But when it's the quarterback, man, when it's the quarterback, the most important position in all of football, there's a reason why they're third-round quarterbacks. There's absolutely a reason why they're third-round quarterbacks is because they're they're there. They're not. You don't draft the guy with the intention of him being your future for 10 to 15 years. Obviously, that felt like the case with C.J. Beathard at the time. And, you know, I mean, that was what the first draft. So, of course, the Niners are going to come in and be aggressive, and that's just how it's going to work out. But you don't go into the third round. And even the second round where it's like, I, my quarterback, okay, I'm going to get a Kyle Trask or I'm going to get a Mac Jones in the second round or a Desmond Ritter and think like, okay, I can get them. You know, I can work with them. And that's the argument is that can Kyle Shanahan evaluate quarterbacks? And it's not that he can't. He can develop them. It's just he hasn't really been given himself the chance to want to develop them. And obviously he kind of did with C.J. Beathard, and we saw how that worked out. But that was different because the entire team was hurt. But going back to the whole thing, it's like you don't get a quarterback in the third round or the second or the fourth if you think he's going to be the guy. And you have guys like Wilson and Montana and Tom Brady who will fall. It happens. They'll fall, and then maybe they develop and turn into Hall of Famers, and that's honestly one in a million. It's kind of like basketball, man. The first, the first few picks in the first round, you know, those guys are going to be, you know, all stars, all NBA players. And football's kind of the same in a sense where it's like the talent disparity between the first round and the third round is incredible. So if the Niners are going to make their move on a quarterback, man, if they're going to have to trade up, it's now. And I think that's the thing, too. It's like we saw what happened with the Chiefs and Bills, where it's like the Chiefs, in a sense, it seems like they gave up the farm to move up so many spots to get Mahomes and look at Mahomes. And then the same thing was like Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz, too. It's like all of those guys got traded up for. And I know Bradford didn't win the Super Bowl, but he was good in his time. Bradford executed. And Carson Wentz doesn't look good now. But healthy prime Carson Wentz, when he was confident, was one of the best in the league. So this is going to raise the question, man, and I, I got to ask you. The Niners have to get a quarterback in the first round, I think. I think that's the thing they got to go with, man. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy. Where do you stand on that? Do you feel about the same in terms of the Niners should get a quarterback? Or are you in the kind of let's wait and see? Obviously, Garoppolo is not going to play. But when you see that Garoppolo has played well last season and you saw what he could do, even if he's limited, does that kind of make you hesitate in terms of getting a quarterback? Or do you think they just need to hit reset? Man, the only the only thing that makes me hesitate on saying we need to go quarterback first round is that I know that 
he, he didn't play – he hasn't played healthy this year. Uh, I mean, other than at the very beginning, he anytime we've seen him when he came back was, as far as we know, he, he still wasn't quite healthy from that, that high ankle sprain. And that's a, that's a tough injury to play through. That's the only thing that gives me any pause. But, I mean, at a certain point, you got to look at the fact that we have been dealing with a lot of injury problems. And even when he's been out there, it hasn't been like an elite quarterback performance. At a certain point, San Francisco has to make a decision. And I... I, I start to think that this this year is the year that they need to make that decision. And it, as you were saying with the like the suggestion of going for a quarterback in the third, if you are a head coach and you have identified the fact that I need a quarterback, but I'm not going to take him in this first round, and then a guy falls to you that you, you could have taken, but you're like, nah, I'm going to wait till the third round because that's when Joe Montana was taken. So I should wait till the third round. And then the the C.J. Beathard carbon copy that you draft doesn't work out. But the, the guy in the first round that you decided to pass on is just lighting it up. Then I, it's tough to argue for your job at that point. I mean, you you made a huge mistake. With, that, with the idea, yeah, I get it. Russell Wilson, Joe Montana, third round, great third round picks. Awesome picks. I mean, you nailed it. You congrats. You did it. But that that's like saying, you know what? I really want to win the lottery. All right. I, I really do. But instead of going to buy some tickets, I'm gonna hope that somebody drops a ticket on the ground with winning numbers, and then I can just pick it up and and then it'll all work out. That that that's just <laughs> Your your chances are of nailing a first round quarterback are are not great, but they're even worse in trying to nail a third round quarterback. So I, I mean I think that's a that's a that's not a smart way to to look at it. Oh, it worked all right for these two people in in and as far as you were saying, these we'll we'll say four. These four people it worked out. So all third round quarterbacks should be given a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's not it's not a feasible way to to plan your draft board. If you acknowledge that quarterback is a need for your team and you are ready to pull the trigger, then if a guy that you want is available, you either trade up or you take him in your spot. You don't you don't just say, "Ah, well, we'll probably be able to make it happen in the third round," because you don't know what's going to happen in those in those first two rounds and leading up to your pick that every quarterback in the entire draft class could get taken theoretically. And then what are you going to do? You don't have a quarterback to draft, but you plan on the fact that uh, no matter what, I'm taking a quarterback in my with my third-round pick. You don't know who's going to be there. So you, you just can't play in your draft board like that. You need to acknowledge what, what you need as a, as a team, what your biggest need is. And I can understand the people saying, oh, we need offensive line and we need defensive backs. I just personally feel like it seems that with how important quarterback position is, and we've had a an uneasy showing of it for, for a little too long now that we, we need to, we need to go ahead and identify that as probably our strongest weakness. It, you know, it's like, 
there's a, there's a couple of things I want to say, and well, before we get into the preview, finally, is when Kyle Shanahan, you know, the first year, the first year him and Lynch came in, it's like okay, they had a terribly depleted roster they needed to work with, and it's like every draft pick, it felt like that in the first year of a head coach and GM combination, it feels like they can get away with that first round, you know, or just the first draft in general, and then you know the same CJ Beathard draft, you get. Solomon Thomas, you get Reuben Foster, you get CJ Beathard, you get Joe Williams, you know what I mean? And then you crank out George Kittle. And it's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. They got the superstar. They got the superstar tight end who you could just absolutely work with and just integrate him however you can. And Mike in, in the MB9 chat was like, you know, and I think in the live show we did the other day too, he was like, if you can get one superstar out of the draft class, whether it's a quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, O-line, whatever it may be, any position outside of special teams. If you can get one superstar rather than five good, mediocre you know, players that fill in pretty well who are average, you could say, if you get that one superstar over the five players, it's a really good draft. And I actually had to think about that for a minute because I was like, you know, as much as I like guys who have who are really good at filling out depth, Having that superstar guy really just changes your team entirely. And we've seen, we've seen what happens when George Kittle plays, Dylan. It's like on top of the offense going to a new level, it affects the run blocking, it affects the pass blocking, it affects the receivers, it affects every aspect of the offense. And that's when I was like, okay, then I guess having that superstar is nice. And then you look at it now where it's like, okay, the roster has fantastic foundational pieces all the way around. So – in a world where they do or don't cut Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a different story. They still have some salary cap to work with, so you know they're going to bring back Trent Williams. I, I think Trent Williams will come back on a one or two year deal. It won't be, you know, something franchise breaking for like four or five years. It'll be a couple of years because he's getting old. But you got the franchise tackle, you have the franchise linebacker, the tight end, you have the wide receivers in place. You still have the defensive line in place, and Bosa, Nick Bosa, um, Eric Armstead, I, if everyone's healthy, you know, Javon Kinlaw, everything of that nature. You have the foundational pieces all the way around. You just need to put the puzzle together at the quarterback position. And I think the same same concept applies where it's like, okay, if you get the star quarterback, and someone said no rookie has ever won a Super Bowl in their first year, or, you know, no rookie has ever won a Super Bowl. Okay, that's not the point. If you see, if you get the quarterback in the first round, then you know, and he has a fantastic rookie season. And we know first round rookies are ready to play, dude. Justin Herbert was fantastic. Burrow was fantastic. Uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa was fantastic. All the first round quarterbacks just were amazing, man. And last year was the same too. And the year before that, it seems like first round quarterbacks are just elevating entirely. And you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations, man. You know how much. You know how much you like him. You want to like him. But the reality in the business of it is like Jimmy Garoppolo can't take you to the Super Bowl unless everything is perfect. And it sounds like a uh, – uh, not Trent Dilfer. It sounds like – um oh, who's he? Maybe it was Dilfer that won the Super Bowl. It was one of those uh, quarterbacks that won the Super Bowl who was pretty mediocre to say the least, but everything around him was perfect, right? So it's like, okay, well, the Niners could be in that position again, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not healthy. He can't consistently play two straight seasons he's limited he limits the offense and it just holds everything back so it's like all right if the Niners can go out and just get their quarterback get the guy it doesn't matter if it's 12th 10th 9th 8th whatever position they're picking if they're confident in that pick and you said the best John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both if they want their guy albeit the guys they've traded up for haven't worked out Reuben Foster Dante Pettis Beathard Joe Williams looks kind of ugly 
But when you go to this past draft class, you can say, and it's like, okay, well, Kinlaw is really good. Obviously, they didn't trade up for him, but they traded someone for him. And Kinlaw looks really good, I'd say. And Brandon Ayuk looks like he's the next coming of the greatest Niners wide receiver in history. So it's like Ayuk is finally stepping up. They traded up for him. So when you figure that in mind, you have the entire foundation in place. You got the great drafting. You got aggressive coach and GM who want their guy. Now go get the quarterback, man. Go get the guy who is going to change your offense and take everything to the next level. Do you feel like that? I mean, with the amount of times Kyle Shanahan's throwing his hands up in the air, do you feel like that that's going to be it, man? Do you feel like that even with what we've seen and what they've seen from Garoppolo, that it's just time for a quarterback? It's time to draft someone? Yeah. I, I mean, to put it short, yes. Uh, l- like I was saying, I would have loved to have seen more of Jimmy Garoppolo this year. I think it would have been the perfect year to see more from Jimmy Garoppolo whenever the team wasn't necessarily going to be able to handle everything for him. And he was going to have to have to, you know, muscle up and go out there and play some, play some tough football and make some tough plays. I think this would have been the perfect year for Jimmy Garoppolo to come out there and be like, no, like I I can do this. I I am, I am your quarterback, but uh, we, we just don't see it. And you know, uh, Sometimes, even if it's a possibility, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time in the NFL, it, it, it that's just how it goes. Everyone's been talking about veteran quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, all the Matts, anyone that can really just fill out the position if they go after a veteran. And it's like, no, no more used goods, man. No more used goods. Get fresh. Start over. It's a new, new year, new season. Get young. Get affordable. And the Niners just – no matter what they do, if they win out, sadly, that'll suck for draft position. But I am a firm believer in that if they want their guy, they'll go get it. This front office has proved that in the past, and they proved it this last draft, and they will probably do it again anyways. But in order to get to that position, Dylan, we got to talk about the upcoming football game, finally. The 49ers got to take on the Dallas Cowboys, man. Dallas is currently picking fourth overall in the draft, and we probably will sneak in some draft stuff throughout this preview, so bear with us but dallas is currently picking fourth overall dude they are in premium draft position they also just won their game and they're also getting kind of healthy on both sides of the ball outside of dak prescott and it seems like andy dalton is kind of coming into his own finally dude dallas is in the middle of an nfc east race that i I, i'm rooting for washington all the way dude i'm honestly rooting for them to do well but without crazy 20 2020 has been to say the least it feels like that anything is possible right now washington is currently at six and seven they've been playing very well they've won four in a row philadelphia eagles at four eight and one look like they finally found their guy in jalen hurts who played really well against the saints and then you have the new york giants who by all means are five and eight but you can't really count them out because that defense is phenomenal to say the least so i'm going to start off right now man dallas has more reason to win than the niners do And I know it's like, well, okay, well, obviously they can't get a wild card because of the other teams. They have to win the division. And like I said, man, that division is a toss-up. It's a crapshoot. Alex Smith isn't playing. Dwayne Haskins is coming in for Washington. Who knows what's going to happen? The New York Giants are really consistent. The Eagles just got going with Jalen Hurts, but who knows how long that'll last. And then you got the Cowboys where it's like they got all the wide receivers. They got all the running backs. They got the backup quarterback who's very well-respected around the league. And honestly, I don't think he's bad, Andy Dalton. And you look at the defensive side of the ball where it's like Demarcus Lawrence is good. Alden Smith is playing well. Jalen Smith is playing well. The secondary is no pushover in Dallas, by the way. 
everything for them, it's like they're healthy. Outside of the quarterback, which is the most important, they're a healthy team. They just haven't been able to execute because Mike McCarthy stinks. But in any event, man, they're still kind of healthy. Let's get into this preview. We're going to start with the 49ers offensive side of the ball, man. The 49ers offense featuring Nick Mullins. It's uh, It's been pretty bad, to say the least. At a 2-5 and five record, Nick Mullins has been playing exactly like how you would expect a back of the play. You know, 2-5, and five, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 2,200 yards. He's been sacked 17 times. He's just been kind of getting his butt kicked behind the makeshift offensive line. You start with the quarterback Dylan and you start with where it's like, like okay well obviously teams win and lose because of the quarterback but if any offense can get away with bad quarterback play honestly it's the 49ers what kind of game is Nick Mullins going to have to have and what are you expecting from him well I mean just like just to just to say I, I completely agree with you Dallas has a lot more reason to come into this game expecting a win or wanting a win than we do I mean, at this point, all we're, all our team is fighting for is to prove, like, for each individual player to prove, like, hey, I can still play the game of football, and I can still win you football games. They aren't fighting for a playoff spot anymore, unfortunately. But um, as far as as far as that uh, Nick Mullins take, I could actually see him having a decent game. Um, I, I do think that if we're going to win this game, it is through the run. Um, you know, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, they they should they should definitely win this game if they win if San Francisco is going to win this game. Uh, and that being said, you know we've seen it before with Kyle Shanahan's offense as he keeps running the ball down your throat. Eventually, you're going to start trying to pay more attention to the running backs. And then the quarterback's going to throw, dump something off to Brandon Ayuk, and then it's going to work out, and it's just going to keep working. So uh, Nick Mullins could see a statistically pleasing game, but not really have too much weight on his shoulders. Someone sounds like they're rooting for the garbage time point, man. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. It's like Nick Mullins, all right. 300 plus yards, nice. A few touchdowns, a couple of interceptions, dope. What was the final score? 45-21 Cowboys. Oh, okay. I see where he got those numbers from. But not man. You're right. It's like it's going to be one of those games where I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have to dial up the easy throws for Nick Mullins. And, I mean, it's not easy to make anything easy for Nick Mullins because Nick Mullins makes it so hard, to say the least. It's like it feels like that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan said it best earlier in the week when it was like, Backups are backups for a reason. They're not meant to play seven, eight, nine games unless you're Nick Foles. And Nick Foles really only kind of got hot at the right time, kind of like Joe Flacco. So it's like, okay, well, we know Nick Mullins has been playing a lot. Teams are able to pick up on his tendencies. It's hard to adjust around the backup quarterback because they're so limited, man. There's a reason why they're a backup. And I have a lot of respect for Nick Mullins, dude. I think I honestly think Nick Mullins is a good backup. I think if he has to play in the pinch, if he has to do what he's supposed to do, he will play well. Is he going to win you the game? I don't know. But I will say he will execute and get the job done because Nick Mullins knows and understands offense, I think, very well. He knows how to read the field. He knows where to go. It's just he's so limited physically and athletically. It's like when you watch Nick Mullins run, it's like, oh, my God. It's like it's like if you're playing Madden and you held R2 to break the pocket and your quarterback has like 40 speed. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's not going anywhere. He can't move. And that's the thing is that Nick Mullins is not athletic by any means he's just kind of like a dude you know he's like he's like a dude who played football throughout his entire life never really hit the 
Jim too much, but you know this guy is just a film junkie and he understands the offense. So it's like, you know what? I may not be physically gifted, but I will use my smarts to win. And you can't be Alex Smith. You can't be those type of quarterbacks where you don't have the biggest arm you can execute with your brain. Nick Mullins isn't that because he's so physically limited. So Kyle Shanahan is going to have himself one hell of a day trying to dial up everything for Nick Mullins, man. But at the least, I know Debo Samuel's gone. I know George Kittle's still out, even though he may play next week or the week after. But you saw Brandon Ayuk, dude, who's just been absolutely tearing it up this season. Brandon Ayuk, to say the least, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year because no wide receiver, I think, in forever has really won Rookie of the Year outside of you know quarterbacks. It's really just kind of a quarterback-driven award. But that doesn't just take away from how well uh, Brandon Ayuk has been playing to say the least. Dude, Ayuk needs only a few hundred yards for the rest of the season to go out there and break the thousand yard record for one, but to also break Jerry Rice's rookie record of receiving yards for the 49ers. Do you feel like this is set up for Ayuk to have a good day? I know we said the best earlier. I got my notes right here. Dallas has the ninth best passing. No, they have the sixth best, best passing defense in the league in terms of yards per game. They're averaging 215 yards per game allowed in the air. So the second in Dallas has been doing really well, but no matter what happens, man, Kyle Shanahan's going to get his guys yards. They're going to get him to move the field. Do you think Ayuk is set up for a nice stay? And again, I know Dallas's secondary has been really well. The run defense has been bad, but just how the Niners have been using Ayuk, dude, and they haven't really been using him in the run game. They haven't been giving him carries at this point. They've just been letting letting Nick Mullins rip to Brandon Ayuk, and Ayuk has been just doing all the work. Is this set up for another big Ayuk day? Do you feel like that? Oh, okay, so I'll do this. Over under on the amount of targets Ayuk is going to get, and I'm going to set it at ten. Uh, I think that's gonna that's a tough one because I, I do think it, it comes down to how how Dallas comes out and performs offensively. Like we said, um, uh, like like I was saying earlier, I, I do think that we come out this game run heavy, and then if things start going down, naturally you start passing the ball more. And then when you don't have anybody else that you can throw the ball to because all of your other targets are hurt, Brandon Ayuk's going get, to get his fair share of targets. I, I don't think it's absurd to think that he gets 10 targets in this game um, because once that run is established, Kyle's going to start doing the run pass. He, and, he, you know, with Kittle out, Debo out, I mean, that really just leaves Ayuk to throw to. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits those targets. Um, I, I would say for that that one thousand yard uh, goal that, that everybody's talking about, IU being right there at, um, he needs a good game this week, uh, and, and with with a couple tough divisional matchups left to go, um, I, I think it would probably benefit him to to try to get his. Get get a good week this week, uh, and I guess that again that'll all depend on how how the game starts to shake up if they're playing from behind or not. It's one of those things where it's like you know Kyle Shanahan. I mean Nick Mullins' pass attempts in his recent games, dude. He's just been. I mean, I want to again. I want to respect Nick Mullins because Nick Mullins is good and he'll get the job done when he needs to. But Nick Mullins isn't the type of guy you want to roll out there to throw the ball thirty or forty times per game and that's what he's been doing the past few games against Washington and against the Bills where he's had to do that because that's the thing is that against Bills and the Washington the Niners were able to get the run game going Wilson 
and Mostert were pretty efficient. I know they were averaging over four yards per carry in both games. But when game script calls for the team to pass, you know, have Nick Mullins make a play, Kyle Shanahan dial up for him. It's just I don't know if Nick Mullins will execute. And that's a lot of the reasons why Kyle Shanahan has been throwing his damn hands up in the air getting so pissed off because Nick Mullins can't hit throws that Kyle Shanahan has been scheming wide open. And it's like, man, you know, this kind of pushes me on the edge of into our score predictions already. But if the Niners do get behind, which in the sense I'm kind of thinking that's how it's been just because that's been the Niners' luck, dude. It's been their luck all season just to get behind a lot of points and Nick Mullins has to throw. Ayuk is very much so set up to have a good day. I'm pretty confident that he'll get over 10 targets. Let's just hope he makes it out healthy, man. I'm going to knock on wood right now, but it's like, God, they just need to go out there and stay healthy and execute. But at the least, I will say that it's been nice that Ayuk is really developing. He really is developing the number one wide receiver that the Niners have been desperately searching for for years and years and years. And honestly, since I wouldn't even count Michael Crabtree because Crabtree was good, but he wasn't by any means great. And then it takes you way back to T.O. And it's like, oh, my God, that's how long it's been. So kind of straying away from the passing game and get let's get a bit. Let's get into the run game, dude. This is a run game where Dallas features the statistically worst run defense in all of football. Dallas, man, they're averaging over 162 yards allowed per game on the ground, which is 32nd in the league. And when you feature a good defensive lineman like Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, who are good pass rushers, odds are defensive ends aren't necessarily complete. They usually have a tendency to not be as good against the run. The Cowboys is interior defensive line is just a pushover entirely don't expect anything out of them with all due respect to them man they've been rolling out neville gallimore that's been their starting dt and antoine woods both two guys who are just not that they're bodies but i mean they have they aren't world beaters by any mean and then when you when you have linebackers and jalen smith and Leighton vander Esch, i think vander Esch is fine it's like they, they're good names on paper right they're really good names on paper but when you look at the hell they're ranked 32nd against the run it's like okay they're doing something wrong jalen smith leads leads the cowboys and tackles if i'm not mistaken and it's like okay he's doing his job but it's not always a good thing in the sense if you're leading your team in tackles because that, that could really mean a lot of things if you look at it conceptually so this is we've kind of been straying at it a bit but this will be a big ground game for the niners raheem oster kyle shanahan said is good to go jeff wilson's good to go i don't imagine tevin coleman and jerick mckinnon will get much touches but I'll kind of let you touch on that, man. Where, who? Okay, so here, here's the weird breakdown. Last game, Raheem Mostert got four more touches than Jeff Wilson, but Jeff Wilson was clearly the more efficient back. And Jeff Wilson, kind of throughout his time on the team, he's been the goal line back. He's really been the guy to just punch it in two or three yards short. Do you feel like that's going to be that kind of game again, where Jeff Wilson gets the goal line carries and Mostert will be the go-to guy, or, or do you feel like we'll see a lot more Wilson than Mostert? I'm curious as what you think about that. I would like to see Mostert get the majority of the carries, and I would like to see Wilson get in on the goal line. But I've noticed a lot lately that I, I don't see Jeff Wilson in on the goal line whenever I feel like he should be. So, I yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. There's no way I could ever try to say that I, I understand what's going on in the Kyle Shanahan mind. But sometimes I, I wonder why he chooses the running backs he puts out at specific times. Uh I could see this being one of those Jeff Wilson, you know, kind of comes out and, and takes it all games. But if I were a betting man, I'd, I'd say it was Raheem Mostert. Yeah, you know, I mean, as someone who, you know me, it's my biggest, 
my favorite player in the entire team is Jeff Wilson Jr. It's like I know he has the tiny fumbling issue, but it's like he's the most effective and efficient back in terms of goal line carries and just in terms of overall efficiency, man. Jeff Wilson is having, you know, with how everything has been going this season for the Niners, I think Jeff Wilson is having a pretty career year in terms of his, you know, just his overall numbers, man. I mean, he gets the ball at the goal line. He gets the carries. He gets everything that he needs to just simply get. I mean, he's got five touchdowns, 68 carries, 281 attempts. He's averaging four carry, which, you know, I know a lot of people in Kyle Shanahan's offense will say, well, four yards per carry Shanahan's offense isn't that good. But you got to figure that with everything going on with the offensive line, Jeff Wilson, same with most or two, they haven't really had the chance to really just excel and just go go out there and just take the ground game by storm. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback because teams can stack the box. You know what I mean? I mean, Mostert and Wilson, even Tevin Coleman, they probably face the highest number of percentage, you know, stack boxes in the entire league. And that was kind of the same way last, last year too, near the latter part of the Niners season where it's like the Saints, uh, the Seahawks, even the Cardinals when Jimmy G had to light it up, they were stacking that box and daring Jimmy Garoppolo to throw. And it's like, okay, well, we know Shanahan wants to get the ground game going. And it's like, okay, well, you can stack the box for so long and it'll work for the most part. And you just got to hope the quarterback plays well. And luckily for us, Garoppolo did play well. But we don't have Garoppolo this season. We got Nick Mullins instead. And do you feel like – so, again, on paper, Dallas Cowboys defense is terrible in terms of the rush. Do you feel like that, whether it's Mostert or Wilson, that one of them will have a big game? Does it kind of feel that's trending in that direction just with the way things are going with the Niners? Unless they come out and are deciding to play like an absolute dumpster fire and just uh, just don't come out ready to win the game. If, if they're coming out as a competitive team, one of those two players, I assume, has to have a good day. It's, you know, I mean, that's the thing about Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's like anyone on the ground can have a good game. You know what I mean? It's like Mostert can explode. Wilson can explode. Tevin Coleman, for all we know, could explode, even though Coleman's – Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, man, that's just been, you know, I, I mean, we could turn this whole episode into like, okay, what are the Niners going to do in the offseason? And that's just kind of the fun to talk about. But kind of closing out. Yes. Yes, dude. Oh, my God. If we we got to get a podcast on where it's like you, me, Matt, Zach, and maybe Steph or Scott or whoever else wants to come on and just have an entire round table of just discussion in regards to just a great like, round of the entire roster. Yeah. Yeah, like what? Yeah, like we start with the quarterbacks, right? And we just say like we were nerds, and we we're like, okay, we got the salary numbers right. Here. That's an easy one. Oh, get them all God, out, dude. Yeah. Every it's a preview. It's a preview, man. <laughs> don't don't give me the talk now. We already did that earlier. So I'm gonna throw out a couple of keys to the game for the offense, man. And I want to hear your keys as well before we get into the defense. The number one key to victory, dude. You got to start on the ground you got to win in the trenches the 49ers are gonna oh my god i gotta close my eyes at this man they're rolling out justin school at right guard and it's like oh no justin school it's like he was okay to tackle i mean i know he got worked by chase young in a couple snaps he had to play in but it's like justin school i think is he's another one of those guys like mullins where it's like in this in a pinch he could play and play all right i guess but he's not meant to be a starter but they got Gotta roll out him at right guard, dude. And obviously, the entire line on the right side has just not been good. Mike McGlinchey's too inconsistent. We got a rotating door right guard. Got Colton McKivitz, who's had to play there. Tom Compton, Brunskill. I think Rossi might have taken some snaps at right guard. And now um, uh, Justin School. 
And then the center position, same thing. Brunskill, Grosso, Garland, who's done for the year, and Rickberg, who's done. It's like the entire offensive line has just been hurt left and right. So win in the trenches, win on the ground, man. Those guys have to win their matchups. Dallas's defensive line sucks against the run. They're good against the pass, sucks against the run. These running backs, Kyle Shanahan's got to dial up his best running game if the Niners want a shot to keep up with Dallas's offense, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So win in the trenches, man. You just got to get ugly. Those big guys got to dominate. And then the second key, the big, most important one, limit turnovers. The Niners fed 18 turnovers the past seven weeks, which leads the NFL. And overall, the Niners are just averaging under two turnovers per game. They're 31st in the league in turnovers per game at two, just about. They got to limit those turnovers, man. Whether it's Mullins, Wilson, Mostert, limit the fumbles, limit the interceptions, whatever it may be, and just try and play smart football. What about you, man? Let's hear your keys. Yeah, that second one was the one I was, I was about to hit, hit on. I mean, it, it, you recognize you're not the same football team that you were last year. You, you, you don't quite have um, all of that all of that skill that you did have, and that's okay. You just got to make sure that you're making the most of every opportunity you have. You're not going to drive down the field and score every time, even if it's not an all-star matchup between two great teams. You're, you're not going to score every time. So you need to. You don't need to be giving the ball away. Uh, you, you need to play safe football, make sure that you're, you're making smart throws, so my number one key is definitely play safe, smart football. And I think it's establish the run very early and find a way to get more players open. Yeah, again, it's like when you have such a terrible rush defense, it's like, okay, well, conceptually, when you're Kyle Shanahan, it should make things easier in the air where it's like, okay, well, the Cowboys are going to know that Shanahan is going to want to run, so that box is going to be stacked. Ninth in the league in that passing yards uh, passing yards allowed per game for Dallas, so it's like, like okay, can they? will they be able to work around schemed open throws? And we will see game script come into play where it's like they'll probably score a touchdown on the first drive. The Niners have been really good at doing that this season, but once plays break down, once you get away from game script, it's like, all right, that's when it gets hard. Can the Niners stay on path, limit turnovers, and really just – execute but Dylan we're finally gonna talk about a little bit of defense man I know the offense is always fun to talk about Dallas's offense man holy cow I know there's no Dak Prescott but when you look at them on paper when you look at them statistically when you look at names on faces it's like or faces on names it's like Amari Cooper woof, he's a stud always C.D. Lamb who's been a PPR machine if you're a big fantasy football guy C.D. Lamb will just eat targets and eat those short intermediate throws so Lamb is just as good and you got Michael Gallup, who's like a deep threat, but who can also work the middle of the field, and he will get open if need be. And then on top of those guys, man, Gallup, Cooper, and C.D. Lamb, kind of Dallas's big three. You got Ezekiel Elliott, who is not having a good season. Okay, by his numbers, he's still not. But Zeke will go out there and shred when he's on one, man. I still think Zeke is a good running back. I still think he's very respected in the league. And then the back of Tony Pollard, who's kind of been the third down back, but Tony Pollard is dynamic, dude. Tony Pollard reminds me of like, Kind of, he's like a quicker, faster Derek McKinnon when before McKinnon got hurt, and they kind of use Pollard like how Shanahan would have wanted to use McKinnon. So dynamic running backs, dynamic wide receivers. The offensive line has not been good because of all the injuries, but aside from that, man, you have Andy Dalton thrown behind that, that offensive line, and Andy Dalton, one of the most respected quarterbacks in the league, I think, who really just kind of got thrown into the fire throughout his career, and, and since 
Cincinnati because of Marvin Lewis, man. Banny Dalton, dude, he's he's doing as best as he could without Dak Prescott being there with an injured offensive line. And two and four as a starter this year, nine touchdowns, six interceptions, 1,300 yards. And he's played in eight games, started six of them because Dak played in five before he demolished his ankle. But going into this game, man, what do the Niners need to look out for? They can go – you can look out for any kind of direction. But if you had to pick one group or one player to look out for in particular, where are you looking? Where, what's the uh, microscope under? One group, I'm saying the wide receivers. I, I mean, yes, you don't need to take Zeke lightly. The last time we saw Zeke, it did not um, It did not go well. Uh, uh, that was a few years ago, but still, it was, it was not a, a very pretty sight. It was a different team, but – you know, I, I, I'm sure there, there's some people that are still looking at that like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen again. Um, but the, that that wide receiver group is it, it's a special group, and so if there's something to if there's something that you got you're gonna have to control it. It's that. I mean, those three guys that you listed uh, that they're it's gonna be it's gonna be a game trying to contain them. Luckily. We hope that we'll see Kwan Williams back, um, and we could see Emmanuel Mosley out there. Uh, but we, we're expecting Jason Verrett and Richard Sherman. And, you know, if Robert Sala can can do good defensive coordinator things that we, everybody expects him to do and what is probably getting him a head coach job, then, you know, you'd like to see him be able to scheme that up well and, and slow down the slow them down in the pass game. But at the same time, you got to put pressure on Andy Dalton. Pressure on Andy Dalton, man. And that's kind of going to segue into this part of the Dallas Cowboys' offense is that, like, dude, their offensive line has just absolutely been atrocious, man. And they've just been missing pieces all year long. Tyrone Smith is on IR. Zach Martin's on IR. Blake Jarwin, one of their better blocking tight ends, IR. Cam Irving, their backup tackle, IR. So that basically leaves uh, Tyler Biadaz, Brandon Knight, Joe Looney, uh, Terrence Steele. That's the backup tackle, like the backup to the backup. And, dude, it's like I'm looking at their PFF numbers right now, and it's like Tyrone Smith, a 78 grade in the past, really good. Zach Martin, just as good. And then you start to get down into the backup lineman territory, and it's like, oh, my God, that offensive line for Dallas looks horrible, 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 horrible. But that kind of favors well in terms of the 49ers because overall, Robert Sala, is just he's all but more than deserving of a head coaching position, I think. And I'm, I'm going to take away the whole Niners get draft picks for hiring for someone hiring Robert Sala. If you look at the reality, it's like Robert Sala deserves to be a head coach, dude. He just he fires up the guys on defense. He fires up the entire team, and he gives the offense a chance to win. It's just our offense sucks, so we can't win. <laughs> so it's like Robert Sala, man. It's not that they're wasting his performances, but man, it's there's just been so much good field position and points left on the table from the offense after what the defense has done. But man, again, Dallas's offensive line is really bad. You can have all the good playmakers. You can have all the good guys to go out there and get the job done and execute, but you still need to have some kind of protection. Dylan, do you think this is going to be a pretty big defensive line day for the 49ers? I know without Nick Bosa and D Ford and Blair, it's been kind of hard to find pressure all the way around. But if anything, the Niners have found a hidden gem in Kerry Hyder. Hyder has seven and a half sacks, one of the most underrated bargain players the Niners could have found is just balling his ass off. Javon Kinlaw the past few weeks has been playing lights 
out as well. He literally has an interception for a touchdown. Like, out of nowhere, Kinlaw just brought in the house, you know, fat man pick six. But Kinlaw playing well. Givens has been playing well. He's back after missing a game from, with the birth of his child. Congrats to Givens. I think Givens is Jeff Wilson of the defense, but in any event, Givens is just as good. Armstead, to having a bad year all the way around, but he's not living up to the contract. But if we're if he's going to have a game where he finally gets a sack or two, it's going to be this. Looking at the defense, man, is this is this set up for the Niners' defensive line to be good and have a good game? Or do you feel like it's kind of like they're going to, like, even if they hit home, the receivers are just going to get the job done for Dallas? Where, where do you stand with this defensive line? If they if they play well, I, I mean that that offensive line is is bad enough that they could be difference makers, uh, and that's what they're going to need to do. To that, you're going to have to put pressure on Andy Dalton to give your defensive backs a chance versus a, a very good receiver group. So I I think that it is set up for that possibility. Just like I said with the offense, I mean you're gonna they would have to go out there and want it. So if if they go out there and want it, they they can do it. Yeah, yeah, you know that's the thing is that I feel like even with the lowered sack numbers, because the Niners are where are they they are not averaging that many sacks per game, one point eight, which is bottom of the barrel for them. It's not bad, but by no means is it last year's total. It feels like that the guys on the defensive line of the Niners they're still going out there and getting pressure and doing what they're supposed to do. It's just they don't have any clothes outside of Kerry Hyder, but it's like DJ Jones, Gibbons, Kim Law, Armstead, you're not, and Deion Jordan. You're not going to expect them to hit home on the sacks, and that's just kind of who they are. You know, if they get good push, they will get pressures. I like I could respect their game in that aspect. It's like they'll go and get pressures, but they're not they're not sack artists. They're not Nick Bosa's or Kerry Hyder's. You know, they're not going to get the job done. So if they can get after Andy Dalton, who's very well respected, a good backup, I think, it will be a tough day for Dalton in that offense. Obviously, we can talk about this entire preview all we want, but where I kind of stand with Dallas, it's like they're just handicapped by that coaching staff, man. They're handicapped really bad. It's like Mike Nolan, terrible defensive coordinator. A lot of Niners fans remember him. Mike McCarthy very got, got carried by Aaron Rodgers. Let's put it that way. He got carried by Aaron Rodgers when he was in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy isn't making that situation look any better in Dallas. And like I said, it's like there's no Dak Prescott, you know what I mean? But they still have everyone else on both sides of the ball, even outside the offensive line too. But it's like you still have all the playmakers on each side and no one's executing on that team. And it all falls on the head coach, man. So kind of straying away from players and going into coaching staffs a bit. We see we have two coaches here where Kyle Shanahan is so smart and so good, but it feels like he can get in over his head sometimes and just call like really dumb plays like the Jarek McKinnon wildcat that happened weeks ago or the red zone play calling where he ran it out of shock gun on first and short second and short third and short and then the Niners went turnover on downs against the Bills before they got a turnover and then scored off shotgun again versus Mike McCarthy where it's like okay here's another head coach who's honestly not good I honestly think he got carried by Aaron Rodgers and he's just not making his situation look any better even though they won do you feel like this is going to be one of those games Dylan where it's like the coaching staffs are really going to help I mean I obviously you can blame the coaching staffs, but do you feel like that play calling, like like this will be one of those games where like play calling really will determine both like the outcome for both of these teams? Absolutely, both these teams are less than stellar on the season, and I, and both of them have injuries to thank for that. Uh, but 
that's that's where the coaching becomes even more important. Um, when, when you need to have that next man up mentality, you need to have a plan for that next man up, and you need to be able to scheme for uh, whoever you have on the team and wh- whoever you have and wherever they need to be. So it, it should probably come down to a, a little bit of a coaching matchup. And if it does, then you would have to lean towards Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, God, you know, I know the Niners injury luck sucks, but right now it'd be like picking against, it'd be like, God, what's a funny comparison? It's like, I know Kyle Shanahan has not Bill Belichick, but I think their levels of genius in terms of football is on the same like trajectory. Like both those coaches are just out of this world smart. So it's like, it's like Bill Belichick versus like, Jim Tom Sula or Chip Kelly, you know what I mean? It's like it feels like just everything for the Niners coaching staff just far outweighs Dallas. And look, I Absolutely. never want to disrespect right. It's like I never want to disrespect coaches or anything because they're in their position for a reason. You can blame Mike McCarthy and say, you know, he's crappy all you want, but he still won the Super Bowl. You know, I know he got carried by Aaron Rodgers, but he still won the Super Bowl at the end of the day. Same with Kyle Shanahan. It's like, if you want to crap on Shanahan, okay. He's taken teams to the playoffs and he's taken teams to the Super Bowl and stuff like that, even if he hasn't won. It's like, he's still very, very like, like he's very accoladed out. You know what I mean? I know he doesn't really have a lot of awards, but he, his respect amongst fans, players, and, and personnel all throughout the league has enough to speak about him. But I definitely think that coaches will really help determine the outcome of this game. So Dylan, let's kind of, let's kind of get into the outcome of this game Shoot, you know, before we close out with scores, let's kind of get into our MVP picks for the Niners. I think on offense, we'll start with here. You know, we said earlier before we started, man, Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson's my guy. I know Raheem Mostert's playing, but I think Jeff Wilson's going to have a day, dude. He had a day against the Patriots before he got hurt, and the Patriots had one of the worst run defenses in the league. And I know Mostert was hurt at the time, and Wilson filled in admirably. But now he got Mostert back, so the snaps will be probably split between the two. But if Mostert isn't executing, if it's not going well for him, dude, Jeff Wilson's my guy. You know he's going to be. I think the Niners' offense is going to move the ball. Even I would think we will see turnovers from Mullins, but I think they're still going to move it. Give me Jeff Wilson as my MVP. From five or ten yards out, dude, I think Jeff Wilson's going to have a day. You know what, dude? I'm going to say it right now. I think Jeff Wilson's going to have eight carries. It's going to be a weird day. Eight carries, 53 yards. I'm going to give him three rushing touchdowns, dude. I think Jeff Wilson's going to light it up. Eight carries, 53 yards, three rushing touchdowns. Okay, okay. Uh, we've been talking all week or all, all all of this episode for the fact that we definitely think that the running backs are going to gonna light the show up. And so I, I have no problem agreeing that it, Jeff Wilson could, could very well be that offensive MVP. But I got one that, um, you know, I, I've been waiting for him to really have this breakout game because I think he has that level of talent. Um, and he, he's had, he's had good games and he's, he's, he wasn't brought on to be this, this number one guy, but uh, I think he's also struggled with, uh, not getting very many passes where he needs to, but I could see an offensive MVP performance from Jordan Reed this week. You know, I, I think, uh, that he, he could end up getting a lot of those, uh, a lot of those red zone targets uh, this week. Uh, like you said, the secondary has has actually been playing well. 
but you know, whenever those running backs drive it all the way down, yeah, you could very well expect them to start stacking the box the closer it gets. And then that that opens it up wide open for a, a nice little toss to Jordan Reed. So he could end up getting a couple touchdowns by the end of the game. Nick Mullen's nicest play of the season came on that touchdown to Jordan Reed against the Bills when it felt like the game was out of reach, but it didn't really matter, but didn't matter. Jordan, he had a really nice throw and catch of Jordan Reed in the back of the end zone. So it's like, okay, okay, I respect it. I, Jordan Reed, man. I know statistically he's not having a good season, but when he saw what he did against the Jets when he was just shredding them in the air, it's like, oh, my God, this is what Jordan Reed could be. This is what he could be. But then he missed time, and then everything happened. But going on to the defense, man, before I start crying and bawling my eyes out, defensive side of the ball, Dylan, I want to hear your defensive MVP first. This game was kind of set up for someone to have a big day. Who do you think it's going to be? You know, I, I've seen too many people – uh, too many people not giving this guy the the respect that he's earned for this season. Uh, it, too many people are trying to compare him to the guy that he may have replaced. But uh, I think Javon Kinlaw could be the de- defensive MVP here. That offensive line is not anything to to be too worried about, as it has been in, in years past in Dallas. But that Javon Kinlaw could could have his little uh, breakout coming out party this week. Uh, I think he's had a, a, a good rookie season, but you know, there's there's always some people that don't want to agree with stuff like that. I think today I've seen him notice that people are hating on him on Twitter. I, I've seen him acknowledge it. He says it's just fuel to the fire. And I think I think this week it could it could all come together and he could show people like, oh, no, this is why I was taken in that in the first round. This is why they took me. He's getting sacks. He's getting pressures. He's getting interceptions. Man, Javon Kinlaw is finally rounding out into shape, I think. And it's not obviously he's not even close to hitting his ceiling already. He's just a rookie. But you see what he can do. And it's like, whoa, this guy is like insane. Like that's the thing coming into coming in with the 49ers is like he really only has one pass rush move and that was the bull rush and he just needs to work on a lot of the technicalities you know technical part of his game and once he gets that it's it's all but over i think he can usurp deforest buckner in terms of his overall level of play and that's saying a lot because buck is really good but man i'm gonna stick with the defensive line with you i think dallas's offensive line is terrible no tyrone smith no zach martin travis frederick just retired lyle collins is gone i believe and it's like this team is just set up to just fail on the offensive line. And I got to give it to Kerry Hyder. Hyder is having himself a hell of a season. Seven and a half sacks. I think he has a forced fumble. Just overall just playing so, 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 so good. Give me Kerry Hyder, man. I think Kerry Hyder is going to have a day. Uh, I'll be generous. I'll give him one and a half sacks just because I think Dalton is going to get passes off fast because of those receivers. I think you just – if someone's going to step up on this line, it won't be Eric Armstead. I, I'm right with you. I think it'll be Kinlaw, but Kinlaw will be my second best guy. Give me Kerry Hyder, man. One and a half sacks, no force fumbles, no turnovers, but he will hit home. With that being said, man, let's wrap it up. Closing score. It's We can go on a whole other hour talking about this entire score in the draft, but draft aside, where, where do you set with this, man? Where Where is the final score? Oh, man. 28-24 San Francisco. Oh, Dylan's got the Niners winning. I'll say, man. I, I do think they pull this one out. Um, 
yeah, I, I think they'll end up winning that football game. You know, it's like with the news that the Niners aren't going to return to Santa Clara and the entire team, it seems like, hates Santa Clara County for everything that happened, especially Kyle Shanahan. It's like you don't have anyone to come home to outside of Arizona and you just find out this news. So it's like, okay, I think they're going to play pretty pissed off. I, I think the Niners, you know, if they're going to win a game, this is honestly the last winnable game because Arizona and Seattle is going to be really tough. Those are two tough divisional games, like you said earlier. But, man, I think if Mullins gets pulled and Bethard has to come in, I think that's all you need to know about how the game is going to go. And I don't know if that's going to happen. It feels like that's going to happen. But in any event, man, I don't believe in Nick Mullins. I really don't. I think he he could play the whole game and get good garbage time stats, but it's just – Draft position aside, everything works in favor for Dallas in the sense that Dallas has more reason to win. The Niners can go and win for pride. They can do that. They are a very prideful team. But it's like, God, Dallas just – if anyone has more drive to win right now, it feels like Dallas, man. I got to give Dallas, but I think it will be a one-score game. It's going to be high scoring. I firmly believe this game is going to be high scoring. Give me – man, give me Dallas 38, 49ers 31. It's going to be kind of an oddball score, but – Overall, high scoring. I think Dallas just pulls it off by a touchdown and too many turnovers, man. The Niners will get points, but too many turnovers are just going to handicap them. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I know the show ran an hour long, a lot longer than I expected, but it's been a while. It feels like it's been a while since I've done a preview and we've all done previews because mostly we've been doing the live shows and using that. But Dylan, thank you so much, man. It's great to have you on. It's very good to have you on here, especially after the interview. We'll be having you on more and more, especially when draft season comes around, man. It feels like everyone's going to be talking. But in any event, guys, Dylan, where can they follow you on Twitter, man? Where, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Dylan Frazier 98. Um, yeah, give me a follow. Dylan Frazier 98. Guys, follow me on Twitter, Anthony R.M. Perry. That's letters R.M. Perry on top of the name Anthony. Put it all together. Guys, tune in, listen. The 49ers Hive on Twitter does a lot of jersey and other merchandise giveaways. Follow them, subscribe on YouTube at 49ers Hive. Click the bell for notifications. Mad and Zach will say it best, man. Just find us. We always do live shows. Follow the podcast, Red and Gold Standard. Leave a, leave a five-star review. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. We love input. Anything to help us get better. We love it more than anything. But guys, thank you for tuning in. Let's go Niners. And as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast.